0: Excuse me, but are you loving this podcast? If you are, you can support the show through the 8 supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. All you have to do is hit the link in the show description to support now.
1: Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Only at Sleep Number Stores or SleepNumber.com.
2: This is a Lip Media Podcast. Excuse,
0: Excuse me. me, I, I have, have something, something to say. To say Hello and welcome to Excuse Me, the podcast where we have real and open conversations about life and everything it throws at us. I'm your host, Sean Phillip Naylor, and if you're tuning in for the first time, don't forget to click on that subscribe button so you never have to miss out on an episode. You can also join in on the conversation by surfing your way over to the show's official website, excuse me, I have something to say.com, or you can follow along through the show's official Facebook, Instagram or Twitter account where you can slide right on into my DMs Let me know your thoughts and feelings of the show, or if there's any future topics that you wish for me to tackle. And as always, you can find those social links embedded into the show notes for you. (laughs) Hi guys. Thanks for tuning into this very first Halloween special of, excuse me, I have something to say to You returning listeners, thank you so much for all of your support and all of your feedback. It is always great knowing that you guys are out there listening and enjoying the show and the content that we're putting out. To those of you who are tuning in or finding the podcast for the first time today, hello and welcome. If you do like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe to the show. And if you're listening over on iTunes, remember that you can rate and review the show on that platform to help bring these conversations to more and more people. So as mentioned at the top of the show and with our spooky new special intro, Halloween is almost upon us. Halloween is one of my favorite holidays and my favorite times of year because it allows us to get creative. We can wear masks and create costumes and get nostalgic with our friends and family over our favorite scary movies and so much more. But Halloween hasn't always been like it is today. It's evolved over the centuries and there have been so many different influences that have helped to transform it into the Halloween that we know right now. Today, I'm going to be joined by my good friend and returning guest, Rochelle Lindquist. Some of you will remember Rochelle from my two-part feminism special back when I first started the podcast and others may recognize her as the always delightful and always charming host of lip media's podcast may contain traces of soy the podcast about surviving and thriving on a plant-based zero waste lifestyle but for now by a popular demand rochelle is back on excuse me to join me in a fun-filled deep dive into the history of halloween Hi Michelle, thanks for coming back on my podcast. Hey Sean, thanks for having me on the podcast. So today we are delving into the origins of our favourite holiday. Halloween. Halloween. So you and I have both done a little bit of research. Mm -hmm. Uh, I feel educated.
2: Yes, I feel very educated about the issues. I feel like I have a point of view, you know. Indeed I do. Halloween, what did we learn? When did it first begin? I mean, that's a really tough one because Halloween has roots in so many different festivals. Like, that was something I learned when I researched it. Did you find the same thing?
0: I did. Um, what I found really interesting was the Celtic yes. tribes that celebrated their version of it and what it used to be back then.
2: Yeah. so Samhain was the Celtic one and it's spelt Samhain. And I, we were just talking about this before we started recording. So I always knew from what it looked like. I was like, I knew how it's spelled. And I was pronouncing it for the past, like, 20 years, Sam (laughs) Hain, And I have discovered this week, I was this year's old when I learned that it was Samhain, which is bad.
0: And we realized that I was the opposite in the fact that I always knew how to pronounce it, but I never knew how it was spelt.
2: So that's funny. That's uh, one of those little funny things. But I think a lot of people are aware of that particular one. Samhain is a really popular one that gets referenced when everyone's like, Halloween is not an American festival. Halloween came from this Celtic, you know, pagan holiday. That's the one that we always hear about. The one I didn't know about, though, was Lemoria.
0: Yes. I didn't know about this one either. So this one kind of got taken over by the church as well.
2: Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So this one was a festival from the Roman pagans, and it actually celebrated their dead, and it happened on May 16th? 13th. So It happened on May 13th. So in their calendar on May 13th, they would celebrate Lemuria and the larvae, which was, you know, what they called the souls of the dead, would be more likely to walk the earth that day. So to appease them, they used to pour milk on the graves and leave out little soul cakes for them. But in 1609 AD, the church came and took that over and it moved that holiday. They turned it into All Saints Day and they moved it to November 1st, which was directly after Samhain.
0: And they did that to, well... So they say they did that to, the, the Christian church did that in order to be able to convert pagans a little bit easier. Because rather than taking away anything from the pagan beliefs and the pagan holidays, they sort of rebranded.
2: Yeah, they did. It was a rebrand. You know, the Christians <laughs> were onto that first. Jesus came back from the dead, rebrand, rebrand. <laughs> of Christ, rebranding, okay? So, you know, that was the whole vibe. Rebranding, very popular with the Christians.
0: Yes. So they rebranded Lemuria into All Saints Day, which All Saints Day was, what did we say, November 1st? Mm-hmm. And then that eventually got rebranded as well. All Saints Day became All Hallows Day. Yes. And, of course, that being November 1st means that 31st of October was All Hallows Evening, which became All Hallows Even, which then became Halloween. Halloween! Halloween. And then the church added another day, which was the 2nd of November, and that was All Souls Day. Yes. All Souls Day was to honour not just the saints, but all Christians that had departed.
2: Yeah, yeah. And so with that tradition, the church then brought in this kind of, because they had this whole thing, right? In the Christian church, in the Catholic church and stuff at that time, they talked a lot about purgatory. And the fear was that your loved ones were stuck in purgatory. Mm -hmm. So purgatory is this awful place between heaven and hell. um, And, you know, it's, you basically are stuck, I guess, waiting for judgment in purgatory. But if you prayed enough for them, then those souls might be able to ascend to heaven so they called for people to do a lot of prayers for all souls day which then translated into a tradition that was kind of an all an early kind of forebearer for trick-or-treating and that was going
0: souling yes and when people would go souling they would essentially they would go to somebody's house they would knock on the door and they would offer to pray for that family's loved ones who potentially were in purgatory and they would get cakes in return yeah
2: soul cakes which are like little spice cakes with raisins in them and so that was kind of
0: food for prayer food for food, prayer. food for prayer yeah. food for thought um and i'm down for soul cakes because i they sound really good they like sounded good
2: i mean i want a soul cake <laughs> <laughs> But it's strange. We're talking about these really early festivals and these early religious rites that were worked into previous pagan festivals as a way for the pagans to adopt it a little bit easier. And yet we know Halloween to be this like fun, rambunctious night where everyone cuts loose, puts on costumes, eats a shit ton of candy and, you know, goes around causing trouble. So, I mean, how did it get to there? Too much?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Just enough. I was really struggling to keep up with you. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) I feel like... should let the listeners know I might be quite hungover
2: it's quite possible that Shawnee here had a a very big evening it was not a Halloween you've you've got got red on me I've got red on me (laughs) for the listeners listening to the podcast we are also recording this one and it's going to go out on YouTube both on my channel and and on Sean's channel and you can definitely go check that out Sean is dressed as Sean of the Dead and he looks fabulous I've got red on me you do have red on you yes and I just want to know Sean do you want to play (sighs)
0: <sighs>
2: yeah I'm dressed as Chucky guys it's a gender swap Chucky and this was a zero
0: waste costume which you know shame, shameless little plug uh, is what your podcast was about this week that's right and yeah, thrifty, thrifty Halloween, Halloween. Yes. and it is worth noting that um, my costume too was uh, thrifty
2: it is thrifty and I love that you've sort of you know you've put that together and it's fun and it's a nod and I'm, I'm just I'm loving it boom yeah.
0: Um, so while we're talking about costumes mm. uh, and the origins of Halloween, the origins of Halloween costumes.
2: Yes, a
0: very interesting topic. What did you find in your research on this one? Because I found varying kind of sources. Um, yeah, look, I found varying things. One of the things that I found really interesting was there was no store-bought costumes. People would, everything no. was made... Homemade Um, Homemade And what I found Really interesting Was when A company Actually started To I guess Make the first Costumes They were made Out of paper Yeah Which (laughs) (laughs) When I
2: saw that And (laughs) Turns out, because they were paper costumes, guys, so many children went alive. Like, they got lit on fire. This was the night where people were lighting <laughs> fires, having those jacquelines with the candles in them back then. And people were just, like, catching fire all over the place because of their paper costumes. It was so fucking unsafe. So
0: unsafe. A <laughs> uh, health and safety would have had a field day. But just, yeah, guys, it's just if you are planning on wearing a paper costume this year, just remember it's flammable.
2: Yeah, stay away from the candles, okay? you're wearing a paper costume, maybe get a tea light, you know, fake candle, battery-powered candle for your Jacqueline, okay? Also reusable. Reusable. Mm,
0: love mm-hmm. it. I feel like we've got, jumped ahead.
2: <laughs> we have, but getting back to costumes, something that they did do on All Hallows' Eve in the Middle Ages, when it had started to become established as All Hallows' Eve because of All Hallows' Day and All Saints' Day, one thing they were doing in the Middle Ages was beggars would take that as an opportunity To get a little bit rambunctious, have a few drinks, dress up in costumes and go door to door performing little plays. So that was one instance of costumes happening earlier.
0: And, you know, a lot of those um, rambunctious homeless types, when they weren't going and performing their little plays, they were seizing the opportunity to cause mischief. And Mm -hmm. that was another reason for them to wear masks and costumes was to hide their identity I guess so they don't get into troubles.
2: Yes, and there was also a little bit of the mask part of Halloween and that mischief part was partly adopted from the Guy
0: Fawkes Day. See, I love Guy Fawkes Day, being a good English boy like I am. I
2: didn't know about it and when I spoke to Daniel about it, he actually mentioned that here in Australia they used to do Guy Fawkes Day. We never did Halloween, but we did Guy Fawkes Day. This was so before my time, I had no
0: concept of it. I was like, what, really? Well, my other half, Benny, he often talks about, he doesn't call it Guy Fawkes Day here, but he often talks about the fact that they used to do kind of like a bonfire night. Yeah, that's what, yeah. Of course, Daniel and Benny probably attended the same ones Mm. when they were little people. But um, yeah, it's really interesting. And then Benny kind of, he says that once they sort of banned... I want to say firecrackers, but I don't think we call them firecrackers. But once they banned, like, fireworks and those sorts of things here, he said that that tradition just started to die out. Whereas in England, it's such a big thing. Yeah. When Benny and I went to England a couple of years back, we arrived at the start of November. And one of the first things we did is we went to my friend's house, stayed with her and her partner, and we went to a bonfire night. And Benny was... I don't know what the word I'm looking for here is, but he he was excited by the fact that the entire community got together on like the school grounds, like the, you know, the big school oval. And there was a giant bonfire. And he was just so thrilled by the fact that it was such a huge community thing. And it's always been that. So Guy Fawkes night, you know, I've got to say up until probably 10 years ago, I wasn't really that aware of the history of Guy Fawkes. Like you can, growing up in England, you, you learn about it and they teach you about it Mm. and it's actually a really interesting story so guy fawkes was what they called a pro-catholic terrorist yeah and he went to blow up the um house of lords with 36 kegs of gunpowder that's a fuck ton of (laughs) gunpowder it's so like (laughs) I mean, less than that probably still would have got the job done. Yeah. So maybe he was setting himself up for failure there.
2: (laughs) Maybe a little bit.
0: But anyway, so he was actually tried, found guilty. And then the story goes that he was hung, drawn and quartered. And the pieces of him were then thrown into the fire. And then on the following year of the anniversary of November 5th and... Oh, sorry, touched your leg. And every year since, um, they mock (laughs) the memory of Guy By building bonfires and putting, uh, you know, a lot of the times they'll put an effigy of a burning man in there and, uh, yeah, communities get together to burn people. Yeah. Look, it's the English way.
2: It is the English way. We (laughs) won't even get into the Spanish Inquisition because no one expects the Spanish Inquisition, but seriously, you guys got a problem. Like all of the burnings and like the, the thing just cut it out, cut it out. Look, it was a,
0: it was a different time.
2: It was. Yeah, the, that was interesting how that kind of, because it was so close to Halloween, those traditions kind of mixed in. And really, Guy Fawkes Day coming to the Americas was part of what solidified the Halloween traditions and what it would later become to be the Halloween that we think of it as now.
0: Halloween came to America because the Puritans of New England, you know what, they actually tried to prevent they did. Halloween. So when Halloween came to America, it was essentially, I guess it was always kind of there, but it wasn't the Halloween that everybody is familiar with today. And then after the Civil War, there were a lot of, I guess, the Scots and the Irish. They went to America, you know, land of the free and uh, brave new world and all of that business. (laughs) Um, where they took their own traditions. And that's when the Puritans of New England tried to prevent Halloween before it began. But then those traditions of Guy Fawkes Night and, you know, the the Samhain and then the church with their rebranding all made its way to America. And that was when it started to become, I guess that's the start of the origins of Halloween that people are familiar with. I remember growing up in WA... I'm sure my listeners don't know who the fuck I am. Like I grew up in England. I grew up in WA. Um,
2: He's just changing it. Like depending on whether it suits his story. Don't believe him. The accent's a
0: lie. I'm actually uh, not from here. But growing up in WA, I found it really funny because my mum loves any opportunity to get dressed up. You know, she embraces the fun spirit side of Halloween. And in the 90s, It was very much like you would have a lot of negativity towards kids that were trick or treating because it was deemed this commercialized, Americanized, yeah, holiday. But it, you know, if you actually delve into those, you know, the the pagan history of it all, it's actually not American, and it didn't become American until really the nineteenth
2: century. Yeah, like I mean, from the late eighteen hundreds forward is when America adopted it to the degree that we sort of see it now and it was really the traditions of trick-or-treating and stuff were very much a 20th century
0: American thing. When I was doing the research I found it really interesting that the phrase trick-or-treat wasn't it's a really young phrase actually less than 100 years old Mm. which I I had no idea
2: No, I didn't either. I assumed that was um, something that had held over and I think because we, like obviously Halloween's very different to what it used to be but it has connections to basically festivals that align to autumn ending and you know kind of winter coming and any country winter is coming winter is coming (laughs) um any country that has you know proper weather and they harvest stuff they're going to be more aware of that and they're probably going to mark that with celebrations it makes a lot of logical sense that there were so many different cultures that celebrated that end of autumn, beginning of winter, and that celebrated spring with an equinox, and all of those things. We well, you know so many of those traditions and those festivals that we have now, and those holidays that are linked to Christianity, to be adapted from paganism, and it's a result really
0: of watching the seasons change. What she said, that, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, as we were saying before, like a lot of people think of Halloween as a, a very Americanized tradition one of the things that i found really interesting during the research was the part about the civil war and that was sort of where america got this fascination with ghost stories so basically in 1865 the civil war ended and there were over half a million people that died which i guess nobody knew where they where they died or how they died or if they died so there was this fascination after the civil war of people telling stories about missing loved ones coming back and yeah. that kind of is i don't want to say it's the origin of ghost stories because i think ghost stories have been around as long as people have been able to tell Definitely. stories but that was when america really started to get spooky
2: well i think they embraced the connection that halloween and all saints day had to the dead and the veil between the living and the dead being at its thinnest and this old world belief that did come from Samhain. If it's at its thinnest, if this is the night where your loved ones who have disappeared, possibly most likely dead, might come home just for the night, there's a very um, comforting kind of aspect to believing in
0: that and embracing Mm. that. So after the Civil War, Scots and the Irish, we showed up. You are trouble (laughs) causers.
2: I have to say, guys... Scots and Irish people coming to America They definitely brought the trouble with them
0: Yeah and you know what If you go to Ireland or Scotland They're troublemakers We're I'm troublemakers sure they are. So, But after the Civil War a lot of the Scots and the Irish They moved to America One of the things that the Scots had And I didn't know this But one of the things that the Scots had They are the creators of the boogeymen
2: uh, Yeah
0: and they called it a bogey didn't they Yes
2: that was bizarre. It was Which, like they do you mean know what makes sense to me bogey. though, because
0: there's always been this thing growing up where I was like, is it? Some people would refer to it as a boogeyman, and some people would refer to it as a bogeyman. Okay,
2: no one referred to it as a bogeyman here in Australia, but sure, <laughs> sure, British boy,
0: it was <laughs> just confusing. But now it makes sense. Um, so they were called a bogey and essentially a boogeyman, and they would torment and terrorize kids. So yeah, they would be the, they're the monster under the bed. That everybody uh, knows essentially. So yeah, and and the gate, the
2: turnstile thing—that was really interesting and such a such a symbolic belief to carry forward because entrances to homes have been protected in so many different ways in different cultures. You know, like the Greek people had the evil eye that would be placed over that that ornament, and a lot of people believe that there is a significance to allowing evil into the home. So anytime it's about breaching the actual border of your home and your hearth, there's a lot of superstition about evil coming across and how much more at risk you are to that evil
0: if it breaches your home. Believe me, my home was breached by evil a long time (laughs) ago.
1: Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side?
0: another story and i really want you to tell this story Mm -hmm. um if if you want to of course and i found this fascinating was the origins of jack-o'-lantern
2: i know i loved this i was like oh my god really
0: so we've got a little i am lighting up the jack-o'-lantern
2: and for the viewers here it here it is
0: and if you're not viewing uh, you can find the video on both of our YouTube channels.
2: Yeah, so that is uh, Trace to Soy TV and... Excuse me, Excuse I me. have something to say. That's right. So the origins of the jack-o'-lantern I found really fascinating and it came from... Was that a Scottish or an Irish belief? Hold on, let me check my notes. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it might have been uh, Irish. Um, I mean, most things came from... Europe. Everything comes from Europe. Like no, the you, plague. colonializers, just colonializing everything. Um, Anyway... So the the whole Jack O'Lantern thing is really fascinating because it came from a fable about this guy called Jack. And he was also called, I think... Oh, you know
0: what? Maybe he was Irish because yeah. his last name was O'Lantern. O- went... <laughs> Jack O'Lantern. That is terrible,
2: okay? That is the worst <laughs> joke you've ever made on your podcast. And it's a pun, so Daniel's going to love it. Yeah. But yeah, so his name was Jack and he was a really bad troublemaker. He was so bad that the fable says... That the devil kicked him out of hell. But devil being a nice guy. As yeah, is, as he is. So he was he. like, look, I'm going to take a little bit of pity on you. Here's a single ember. And he Jack takes this ember and he puts it in a hollowed out turnip. And that's his lantern that he lights his way when he walks, you know, through earth of the evening. Because that's what he did. He just was de- you know, doomed to walk the earth at night with this lantern. So Jack's lantern... Um, And that's why all these little Irish kids used to make these hollowed out turnips and put a candle inside them. And it was supposed to ward away evil. When the tradition came to America, though, they were like... (laughs)
0: America went, we're going to do bigger and better.
2: Yeah, they did. They were like, we can make it bigger, we can make it better, we can make it huge. Okay, we have the best. Make America
0: great again Uh, with pumpkins. Well, it is
2: orange, so I feel like that's on point. And if any (laughs) listeners... It's orange
0: and terrifying. It's
2: orange and terrifying (laughs) and fake. So, I mean, it's exactly Donald Trump.
0: He's looking at you, Trump.
2: Yeah, but uh, they they took that and they went, there's a whole bunch of pumpkins around here. Let's just, uh, yeah, let's hollow out the pumpkins, which were much bigger and better, so that made a lot of sense.
0: And harvested around Halloween.
2: Exactly. And now it's this iconic thing that we associate
0: with Halloween. And uh, like Donald Trump they are orange however iconically orange and black would be the halloween colors yes that's right which were not really even associated with halloween until the 20th century when artists took all of those iconically scary things you know witches and ghosts ghosts black cats yeah, and they, they branded it with the colours orange and black.
2: Yeah, it was unified. And the, people underestimate how much importance these, the, well, branding basically, but imagery has to how we remember things and how we associate with them. So artists have like a lot to answer for in history as far as how we're associating different colours or shapes with different holidays.
0: Now, Rochelle, when we were doing the research, we were speaking about this before, some of the, well, I guess talking about America taking something and making it bigger and better, some of the pranks that these guys were getting up to. They
2: got worse. I was so amazed to discover this. So we think of Halloween now as being this night where kids go out and they put in a little costume, you walk them door to door, they get pre-wrapped candies and, you know, they say trick or treat, which is super cute. You kind of think of it that way, but... It's not it's not what uh it's not what they used to do. So there was no kind of family friendly events associated with Halloween until we kicked off into the kind of twentieth century well and truly. There was some stuff that started happening. There was Halloween parades happening in some towns from about nineteen oh five in America, but it wasn't yet the family friendly holiday that we know it to be the day. And from the early 1900s until about the 1930s, the the Irish and the Scotch, uh, Scottish immigrants that came over brought a real intensity to the way that they approached this night where they could kind of get a bit wild and loose. And it wasn't just egging houses. It was throwing rocks through things. It was removing the steps from people's homes so that they would fall and trip and, like, hurt themselves. Yeah, they were burning things down. They were lighting fires, you know, sending things off. And they a time to be alive. It sounds like fun, too, but... <laughs> <laughs> but even like putting soap bars in the streetcar rails and derailing streetcars, people were getting hurt. Like, people
0: were taking apart wagons and, and then rebuilding them, them on someone's roof, on
2: rooftops. Like that's commitment. It really. is, and I feel like we've lost. You know, you know what, guys? We need to embrace the trick side of things a little bit heavier. This trick or treat, this Halloween, but you don't know,
0: derail, don't cars. derail cars or trains and don't rebuild or somebody's. Cart. Don't on the do roof that because it's it's a lot of effort. It is a lot of effort, and Sick. health and safety again. They'll be all over that.
2: Yeah. So it was around the late kind of nineteen thirties, after they've been having all of this trouble with all of these kids doing this terrible shit, that all of the community groups, the police, and you know the local churches and mayors and families, they got together and realized that. If we don't start taking hold of this, because it's it's gotten its roots. It's definitely got its roots in here. We're going to keep having Halloween. It's going to keep happening. How can we make this a safer holiday? A holiday where not so much stuff gets fucking wrecked because of these rambunctious teenage
0: boys, rambunctious essentially. Rambunctious boys will be boys. Yeah,
2: exactly.
0: So these little troublemakers continued to cause trouble. And the authorities were like, yeah, we've got to take control back here. We need yeah. to sort this shit out. Mm-hmm. But in 1939, the phrase trick-or-treat was put into print for the first time and it was done by a homemaker magazine. Yeah. And there there was an article in which a woman said that she did a open home. So yeah. I guess that would be the first kind of ghost house that you see in America. Yeah,
2: I guess like um, she basically was like, I opened my home up to the children on Halloween night. And offered them homemade sweets and treats as in exchange for not wrecking my house. Like, letting them, <laughs> basically letting them come in. She was like, I don't want you kids to keep wrecking my house. I can't afford it. Here's some popcorn balls. That was what she had. She was like, This is what I've got. Balls and Candied apples. This is what I've got for you, okay? Just please stop wrecking my house. Stop moving my steps. Stop throwing shit through my
0: windows. Here's some popcorn balls. And it worked. She, she got no tricks. She She got no tricks that year. It worked for her. Smart girl. Candy candy killed the rowdy Halloween.
2: Yeah, it did. And then mass-produced candy became more popular, and they started putting on these events like costume parties and festivals and parades and bobbing for apples holding game nights to keep the kids occupied so that they would not have the chance to go out and cause trouble.
0: Where did bobbing for apples come from?
2: Bobbing for apples was an interesting one. It actually... that that whole association of apples with Halloween relates back to another Roman holiday. Um, and this was the sorry, Sorry, holiday... Audrey
0: Hepburn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, you
2: derailed Audrey me Hepburn, there. You bitch. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Um, it came back from another holiday and this is related to a, uh, goddess that they had there and her name was, it was, her manor and she was the goddess of fruits and trees her symbol was the apple so she uh became associated with halloween around the same time that they was adopted with the other pagan um, festivals and the association with apples was there all through the middle ages and interestingly apples had a huge part in the deviation divination divination games that were played during halloween for some reason they really believed that you could I guess because the world's like the veil between those two worlds is meant to be at its thinnest. They were like, this is the time to, you know, divine whatever you might want to know about your future lover. There are all these games that they used to play that involved apples and walnuts and mirrors and candles. Like it was very
0: <laughs> walnuts.
2: What? No, hazelnut. Hazelnut. My bad, my bad. So with hazelnuts, what you would do and essentially these are like spells like this is what people used to do um, witchy yeah very witchy but like young maiden women who wanted to know what their lover would be like or whether their love was true if they had a love affair with a young man they were thinking about marrying him you could both get a hazelnut and then you keep track of which one is yours and which one is the other girls you throw them into the fire and i think if the if it burnt at the same rate then, you know, it was going to be a long and healthy love. If it exploded, he was cheating on you. Right. And another one with the apples was you do a long peel of the apple skin and then you throw it over your left shoulder, either onto the floor or onto a, into a bowl of water. And whatever
0: shape the apple peel, they did this on charm. I know when they went back and
2: yeah, that's right.
0: In the history of the witches, that was really interesting. Yeah, didn't know that was an actual. thing. That was a
2: real thing. So whatever shape it took, that was the initial of your lover's Christian name.
0: Would it ever? Be a Q. I mean, I mean no, it's this, it's the always going to be, be a C, no matter what you do.
2: Um, it's going to be a C. It's not going to be a T, is it? Because you're not throwing two pieces in there. So there was a lot of young maidens looking for a Carl <laughs> or uh, a Christopher, a Christopher, oh. or a Christian. While well, they wanted Christians, all of them were after Christians, despite, despite the fact they're clearly practicing witchcraft. Like that's <laughs> that's exactly what that was, but perfectly acceptable in <laughs> this Christian holiday. Oh. And yet we burn them for throwing a few herbs together for
0: menstruating women. Damn. Figure that out. Well, look, it's not a holiday. It's not. You can only do these things on a holiday. Yeah. So at this point, we've completely lost track of where we are. (laughs) (laughs) But what we do know, let's do a quick recap. So Halloween. Originally, the Halloween in which we know started off as Samhain, which is a Celtic pagan holiday, which was rebranded by the church in order to convert pagans to Christianity. And, and so
2: with Lemuria, which was the yep. Roman pagan holiday that became All Saints or All Hallows Day.
0: Yep. And then we got All Hallows Eve, which Halloween, because everyone loves a rebrand. Yes.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, from there, it was like sort of very religious focus for a long
0: time with the soul. Which is funny because there the are a soul-case. lot of religious people who are like, Halloween, no, it's devil worship. I it's know. This. No, it's not. You guys did it. You guys are the ones who brought all these elements
2: together and went, here's your Here's your new holiday. Like, that was your fucking plan. Just because you don't like how it turned out. Just because you don't like that it turns secular. Don't you bring your shit in here. But yeah, so it starts out there. It's very religious through the Middle Ages. It has more or less kind of combined with Guy Fawkes Day from about the 17th century mm-hmm. onwards. And then... It has a few elements of trick-or-treaty kind of stuff with souling and the beggars going around and performing in their costumes and causing a bit of trouble. Then it comes to the new world. It gets a lot more rambunctious and trick-or-treat legit had this kind of origin of being like, if you don't give me sweets, I'm going to fuck your shit up. That's what Mm trick-or-treat was. You're going to come out of your house and there's
0: going to be a cut on your roof. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was trick-or-treating. And then. Jack
2: o' lanterns were turnips. That's another thing we've covered.
0: Jack o' lanterns were turnips. And.
2: Costumes didn't come around until the
0: 1930s. Masks, obviously, to hide your identity while you're causing trouble. And then America got some rowdy Scottish and Irish people who brought all of their shit with them. And then, like every good story. We go to Hollywood. I know, right? And Hollywood and the media turn Halloween into what we really do know it as today. With the, It all started when um, Charlie Brown I know. and Paul Linus got his holidays mixed up. The Great Pumpkin. I, I've never seen this, but I'm going to go
2: watch yeah. it now. But it's interesting that that was the first instance of popular culture adopting this holiday and embracing it and recognizing it for being what they were trying to establish it to be which was this family friendly holiday
0: and so charlie brown you know america's favorite little cartoon gave halloween the seal of approval and next came the Mm movies and uh john carpenter's it was john carpenter wasn't it yeah john carpenter's Carpenter's movie Halloween. halloween which was never Called Halloween. It didn't get the name until a distributor was like, "Oh, let's call this movie Halloween," and he was like, "Damn, why didn't I didn't think of a that." Good
2: idea. Yeah.
0: Why has this not been done?
2: Well, that was 1978, and it was Jamie Lee Curtis's first movie, and he actually chose Jamie Lee Curtis because she's the daughter of um, Tony Curtis. Well, no, the one that he was married to, Janet Lee, who oh. was in Psycho. So he wanted that kind of callback there. Also, the character of the doctor in Halloween, you is and your doctors. Donald Guys, if you Loomis. haven't listened
0: to <laughs> Michelle's uh thrifty costume episode yet, she's obsessed with it. doctor costumes. I, so I think sexy. there's some, some, some sort of thing here. They do
2: a lot for our society, Sean.
0: They do the doctor's <laughs> costumes, <laughs> <laughs> uh. yeah doctor's costume they're really not a costume it's a uniform it
2: is a uniform but i mean all uniforms can be costumes these days uh Isn't not it? all of them guys do not go as nazis for halloween
0: Ooh. no don't do that <laughs> it's never, never a good idea. idea it's
2: never okay it's never okay um sorry i took us right off topic then really did. okay
0: so john just going back john carpenter's movie halloween which came out in 1978 starring jamie lee curtis completely changed horror movies yeah like scream did for its generation
2: i think halloween in a way was that that generation scream Mm. um because there was a lot of self-referential stuff in there the uh character of the doctor who'd been looking after michael myers was doctors again (laughs) it was donald loomis (laughs) and he was dr loomis which sam loomis Lumis and Billy Loomis and Sam Loomis before that in Psycho. So there was a lot of self-referential stuff. There was a There's a lot of Loomis between them. Yeah, exactly. So it's really interesting, but it also definitely established what a regular kind of community Halloween looked like. And it had an incredibly safe feeling up to the point when the psycho stalking killer is after you. Like trick-or-treating, carving pumpkins, it was all represented as incredibly wholesome. So it solidified that wholesome family element of what Halloween was. And then it subverted that, you know, that whole idea in the same moment by having a killer stalking them on Halloween.
0: Uh, A killer stalking them on Halloween. Who was actually Captain Kirk? I know. The
2: mask was actually a Captain Kirk mask that had been like, Basically fucked with and spray painted and, you know, sort of... Yeah, it's hilarious and interesting.
0: And, you know, I guess just to really show our obsession with Halloween and how it is something that's so marketable and, you know, I think younger generations, they love to get dressed up. Yes. And have a good time. Um, Halloween, the movie, had a budget of (laughs) $325,000. And... The franchise is now worth more than 500 million dollars. It redefined Halloween for a new millennium and a new generation, making it mainstream.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I think even now, Halloween has gotten more popular each year and more popular in Australia. Like I definitely celebrated Halloween when I was younger, but that's more of an anomaly in Australia. It's less Mm. common, but where I happened to grow up, we had... A community festival like a Halloween festival and parade so it was a part of what we did in my community where I grew up from a really young age but for most people in Australia it was not and now it's getting more and more popular I think we've run out of <laughs> history now I think we've hit the point guys I
0: think we have so that's pretty much the uh, the <laughs> history and the journey of Halloween and how it has become what it is uh, what we should probably just touch on is um, our own personal obsession with Halloween.
2: Oh my god, I love Halloween. And I love everything spooky and I love horror movies and I love the kind of humorous, wholesome kind of factor of Halloween and that connection to the changing of the seasons and the harvest and all that kind of stuff as well. Obviously, it's a wrong season here in Australia to really be celebrating any of
0: that, but I still love it. I think we've covered what we needed to cover. I think our listeners are now educated. And um, I'm going to wrap this up with the good news that Bette Midler has pretty much confirmed Hocus Pocus 2 is coming. I thought you were going to say she's going to be in your podcast. I was like, what the fuck? (laughs) Bette Midler has confirmed she has something to say.
2: Oh, my God. (laughs)
0: Congratulations. I know, right? I, that's huge, guys. <laughs>
2: He's promising you Bette Midler. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just I thought that was what you were going to say. I was you, like, what? Then could you
0: imagine? That would be
2: so amazing. Just like
0: out of my back pocket. Hey, Bette.
2: Like, I, here's Bette Midler. Hey,
0: guys. Excuse me. She has something to say. She does. She is the wind beneath my arms. I'm
2: excited for Hocus Pocus 2 because I love Hocus Pocus. I watch it every Halloween and a few times throughout the year.
0: Thank you, Shellington for coming on the podcast again uh always a pleasure you are an absolute delight and a wealth of knowledge yeah thank you
2: thank you so much for having me on I hope that there's some good stuff here and you guys enjoy it if you are interested in zero waste Halloween if you're interested in how to reduce your waste around Halloween have a thrifty Halloween what kind of vegan candy you can give out go check out my contained traces of soy I have a full month of Halloween episodes happening right now
0: well, guys, that's a wrap for our very first Halloween special. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, why not get in touch with me over on Instagram at excuse me underscore pod and let me know your favorite bits or what you might have learned that you didn't know before. Halloween isn't even here yet, and there is still so much more fun content coming your way this month, including, but not limited to, the unedited YouTube video of the recording of this episode where you can witness... Rochelle and I in our fancy dress costumes and me very hungover trying to keep up with Rochelle's energy it's pretty funny keep your eyes peeled on the podcast socials for that one and so much more for the remainder of October thanks again to Rochelle for stopping by you can listen to her awesome Halloween episodes and so much more great content on her podcast may contain traces of soy I'll link you to that and her socials in the episode description. But for now, stay safe this Halloween. And as we're still in a pandemic, why not get creative with your face masks this year? Thanks for listening. And I'll see you next time.